The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. A major Garda recruitment campaign beginning this week. The force hoping to recruit 1,000 new members by the end of the year. Brendan O'Connor is president of the GRA, the Garda Representative Association. Brendan, is that figure achievable? 1,000? Well, time will tell because um, we just don't know. Now, there is a commitment in the state today that the public appointment service will fast track the applications, but it does say that the first tranche will be available in July, I think it is. So that's certainly putting a lot of pressure. So, And we've had promises before. The promise last year was for 800 in budget 2022 and less than 300 delivered. But we are optimistic and we're hopeful and we very much welcome the decision. Why do you suspect the numbers are not what they should be? Is it that the, the career lacks the attraction it once had? Is it is it too hard to become a guard? We've heard uh, that argument made by Jim O'Callaghan. They need to make the fitness test easier. No, certainly not. We would not believe there's any need to reduce the standards of our entry requirements for people coming into the job. It's a skilled profession and it requires a certain aptitude and level of different intelligence. And so certainly we would not like to see it reduced in any way. Part of the problem is just the, the slow process of um, selecting people, putting them through the various processes and vetting them and, of course, the physical fitness test. But um, it's all about processing and getting the numbers through quickly so we can get them in the doors several more, get them out into the operational life environment and get them upskilled to be able to uh, work autonomously. Now, you know, the, the, there's only so much value in, in, in bucketing water over the side of the boat if it's pouring in a, a hole that you don't deal with. The problem of retention... Uh, of of Garda retention once you have the recruits in the force. How pressing is that? Well, we consider it a relatively recent development. Um, the Garda Commission in his public statements has said that it's uh, within uh, industrial norms, the, the rate of attrition and loss. But um, we saw, I suppose, in 2041, people left the force in 2017, yet it was up to 109 in 2022. So we would see that as a huge, I mean, it's more than doubled and that's something that we wouldn't have seen in the past. Now, I know that people leave for various different reasons, but traditionally the guards would have been seen as a very safe, uh, secure employment with good pension rights, and it was relatively unusual for people to give it up, but that seems to be something that has, has changed. We ourselves are carrying out research to find out why, and the guards are give a commitment to look into the phenomena, but certainly the evidence we get mm. speaking to our members are that they're just dissatisfied and voting with their feet, really. And dissatisfied with what? Um, the main issue we find is the, the the work systems and the process and the bureaucracy and, and the management structures that are just so unyielding and so time-consuming. A lot of people are very committed to the career of policing. They're very committed to public service. They're very committed to being public, public and on the street and on patrol, but the system is just grinding them down, the duplication, the box-ticking, the endless auditing, and there seems to be a focus on quantity rather than quality of the the manner in which incidents are logged and updated so the simplest of incidents that requires no further action by guard either that continuous emails that they revisit ring the station they're ringing a headline on hold then the amount of jobs that have been generated we have a new ims system that was brought in that supposed to standardize investigations which is aspirationally mm. is a very good idea but we see the level of investigation applied to crimes that can never be progressed with very little low value or maybe no victim and they're just generating all these jobs that have to be done to the guard to tick the box. So it's just, um, we think that the, 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 the processes that are in place are not managing up yeah. their most effects and they're just finding it very, dis- bureaucracy is, is tears to heart if, out of most people's motivation and it seems to be very excessive in the guard. Yeah. If, if we're not hitting those recruitment 
targets and we failed to hit this recruitment target Brendan as well and and, and the numbers leaving the first continue to kind of creep upwards uh, albeit as Drew says they're still within industrial norms as he sees it but creeping upwards according to year figures I mean at what point does it undermine the ability of the force to fulfil its remit? Well that's a very uh, it's a very valid question very interesting I suppose it's very hard to put a particular market but I think the public and, and the business people, uh, residents in rural and urban communities, they can tell by the level of visibility and response times that they are, are, are observing when they call for help or just a general presence on the streets and, and the sense of order. So I think it's very, it, it's not a scientific, there's not a, there's not a particular tipping point or number, but I would say the balance at the moment is definitely in the wrong direction and people are very, very aware of the lack of guardian on the street. And of course, that's impacting on the public and their sense of security, but it's really impacting the members delivering service, particularly those frontline front line units and particularly busy high demand areas because mm. we're asking more of less people and it's a, it, 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 it's, it's a vicious circle because people are leaving, their workload is distributed and those are left behind. Those are, work, are left behind are becoming overwhelmed with unmanageable workforces, unrealistic expectations placed on their shoulders and then they're becoming disillusioned. Okay. So it's, it's just a cycle that needs to yeah. be broken. Dr. Pat Leahy is with us as well, former Garda Assistant Commissioner. Uh, Pat, you're welcome to the show. Um, is the job, is it as attractive as it once was, do you suspect? I don't think it is, Kieran. And uh, I think uh, Brendan has given a, a fairly good outline of what has changed in policing. I mean, look, computerization has been no friend to community-oriented policing because for the most part over the years, people who joined on Garda Siakana and similar other uh, careers. It's because they don't want to work in offices. They have other, you know, things in life that actually, you know, spark their 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 inner self to get out and engage with people. And uh, policing is is one of those careers. So people want to be out and about. They want to be engaging with communities. They want to be engaging with people that far more uh, feel far more comfortable in that environment. But computerization has forced them indoors. And Brendan's absolutely right. They're spending an inordinate amount of time in front of computers. Uh, logging information and logging details and logging uh, statistics, and uh, it's just it just hasn't been good for policing and it hasn't been good for our communities. Yeah. So look, something has to change. There's a, there's a deep discourse that needs to take place around policing before we end up damaging yeah. the actual I, I don't core th- of what policing is about. I don't think we're not going to get rid of computers. So what has to change? Is it, is it a is it a bigger civilian? Um, role, a, a, you know, a bigger number of civilians in the workforce doing that type it, of work? It, it will include some of that, but Kieran, we're certainly not going to fix it because there has been so much of a discourse and so much change taking place in policing over the last decade or so that it'll take a significant task force to sit down and see, okay, where is policing going? Where do we want it to actually go? Because I don't know if you had a chance to have a look at the Baroness Casey report on the London Met uh, today. But it's hugely um, damaging yeah. in terms of how it's describing policing. But one of the key elements of it is, and she comes out and she identifies, is that the aggregation of policing into bigger areas, larger areas for policing, has disengaged the police from communities. And community policing now is almost gone uh, in, in, in London. And she yeah, absolutely put it down to these bigger areas of policing stepping back from communities and saying that this will give us a better uh, outcome. 
and it clearly isn't, and it hasn't for years. Yeah. But unfortunately, we're going down that road ourselves here in Owen Ireland, and we need to have a really close look at that. Our original way of policing was cl- down close, up close and personal yeah. with their people, with villages, with towns, and we've started extracting ourselves from that making larger areas for policing, and that brings uh, your police, and, your senior officers, yeah. and, and your mid-line uh, guardy away from communities, and that will be a huge mistake for us to continue with that. And, and Pat, do you suspect as well, I mean, the cost of living is, is a feature here, and I'm not just talking about kind of inflation over the last year or so, but no, nobody ever joined the guards to become super rich, but at least you could tell yourself that you were going to have a good steady job, you'd have a decent pension at the end, you'd be able to put a roof over the heads, feed the family, you go on holidays once a year, get a new car when needed. You know, all the usual things. Nowadays, you'd imagine someone looking at it would think, I could do that in most of the country, but if I get stationed in Dublin, forget about it. Oh, you're, you're right. Look, it's a real challenge, Kieran. And uh, historically, what we used to say in, in, in policing was, look, you'll never be rich, but you'll never go hungry in terms of policing. But even now, you can't guarantee that because some of the challenges you have around housing uh, are, are, are really significant. And there are other elements to it as well from a financial perspective that just doesn't make it attractive uh, any longer for people. But there are other aspects to it as well. And Brendan made reference to it earlier on in terms of the actual um, recruitment process is quite convoluted. I think there are four or five stages to it. And it takes an inordinate uh, length of time to figure out whether or not you're getting in to the job. And I think people are getting halfway through it. We've seen that in the last uh, procedure we've had uh, with recruitment, that they're, they're getting so far in and then they're just stopping and they're moving away. They're not completing the process. Mm. And we have to be concerned because when we look back over recent years, you had people, you, your numbers up around 30 and 35,000 people applying for a recruitment competition in the guards. And I think the last one was down to 11 and only a fraction of that actually completed the uh, process. So, look, it really is something to be concerned about. And uh, I'd be surprised if we get the numbers that we're looking for uh, this year. So we really have to sit down and say, "Okay, look, there's work to be done here in order to fulfill our promise to society in terms of policing. Pat Leahy, former Guard Assistant Committee. President of the President of the GRA. Thank you both very much uh, for joining us here on the show. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.